The Feast of the Immaculate Conception, as you heard in the introduction tonight, a lot of times gets confused because they think it's about Mary conceiving Jesus, and it's not. It's about the virginal conception of Mary. And it's something that, it's a good example to me, it's probably the best example in our theology of those people who think that we've always believed the same thing. The, the, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception has developed over the centuries. And we've come to a fuller understanding over time uh, about what this dogma is. It wasn't declared a dogma really until much later, but it began to be celebrated because you can always tell by the liturgy what we believe. It began to be celebrated in the seventh century. So there was already this groundswell of understanding that Mary's role had to be really indispensable. Now at that point in time, they didn't really call her uh, the mediatrix of salvation, the mediator of salvation, but certainly if Jesus hadn't been born, we wouldn't be here today. And so the New Testament, which a lot of times people say, well, that's not in the Bible, that's not in the Bible. Well, we have come to understand and believe things that are, are part of our experience of God and our, and our understanding as it grows and develops in trying to understand how God works in our life. And so this is something that is probably uh, this particular topic of her uh, immaculate conception is really silent in the New Testament from a dogmatic standpoint of view. But these really have uh, an understanding of the importance of Mary because of what God has done for her. And that's one of the things that non-Catholics and Catholics alike kind of get confused sometimes uh, because it was what God did in Mary's life. And I, I did some more reading uh, about this uh, to prepare for today. And the, one of the most fundamental parts of understanding what the Immaculate Conception is about is that Mary was redeemed. And we go, well, why did she need to be redeemed if we believe that she was sinless? Well, it's to show the merits of her son. And so in a sense, Jesus, by his dying on the cross, saved her before he was born. Now wrap your brain around that a minute. Before Jesus was born, his sacrifice already redeemed Mary, his mother. All Christian theologians talk about the fact that salvation uh, is, a, is a free gift, so we don't earn our salvation, that's heresy. So all Christian denominations agree that, that salvation is a free gift. We're supposed to respond to that in our life, but ultimately we don't earn it, God gives it to us. God gives it to us. Justifying grace through faith happens in our lives. And this, this pure gift of grace is what we believe that God prevented sin from ever even touching Mary. So she was freer than you and I can ever be. She was freer than you and I could ever be. But we come to see this more developed uh, because of the miracle of Lourdes, because Mary in her own words then at that point in time said, I am the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. And so already at that point in time, we see uh, this idea that Mary is a model of the church. From very early on, Mary's a model of the church. And you might be scratching your head about, why did we have that Genesis reading? Except if you've done some reading, you understand that Mary is the new Eve. 
And who's the new Adam? Jesus. So you'll hear many times in scriptures just through one man sin entered the world, now through one man the world is redeemed. Jesus is the new Adam. Mary is the new Eve. Wonderful, wonderful. And so the idea that, that uh, in original sin that, that, that was already operative in Mary's life, that Christ was already operating in humanity even before he was born. Again, you and I as human beings have a hard time wrapping our brains around that because we think in terms of time. And yes, Jesus entered time incarnationally at one point in time, but he always existed. So the liturgy that we celebrate tonight then is this idea that Mary was preserved so that she would provide a worthy dwelling for her son, a worthy dwelling for her son. And so her life then, that's why the, the, her great line, let it be done to me according to your word, it was her fiat saying yes. That's why she is a model for us. None of us can be God's mother. But her model is, is because her life was a total yes, a total yes to God's will and God's plan in her life, even though she didn't understand the full thing. That, was, that, that developed in her life as well, an understanding of who she was and who her son was. But all through that, she, it was always a yes. You and I, in this day and age, we have to say, well, I don't know if I'm going to believe that, or I've got to figure that out, or I need proof. Mary never said that. She had questions. How can this be? But I do not know man. And then came that wonderfully mystical answer. Oh, don't worry. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, your son's going to be the son of God. I'm sure that cleared everything up. Probably not. But it didn't shake her faith. She did not need the proof. Why? Because she had the promise. And wouldn't that be a great way for you and I to live? Not always having to have proof, but living on the promise. That to me is one thing that we can take away this year as we celebrate this Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Let's not bank our lives on facts and figures and truth. That doesn't take faith. Living on the promise does. And Mary did that perfectly.